your turn to ask me anything next on this week's edition of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Here's Clark. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it. And a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got it. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On his way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. Winner. We're going to win the championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team, and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Go Blue, and welcome to this week's edition of Michigan Podcast. I am Steve Dace. Looking forward to this episode. We look forward to each and every episode, but especially this week's, because it is your turn. You get to ask me anything. We're going to take as much time as we can and need to answer the Baker's dozen questions we have lined up on everything Michigan athletics, Big Ten athletics related. And we begin with this one. From James Hall, who asks, is there really anything to get excited about Michigan football next season? Yes, there is one thing. Clarity, James. We're going to get clarity. We have a head coach whose back is against the wall. His head coaching career is probably on the line. Certainly his career at Michigan is on the line. He is making some interesting assistant coach hirings. I mean, as things stand right now, he's going into a make-or-break year next year with a guy who's never coordinated a defense before and a guy who hasn't proven he can coordinate an offense yet. Other than that, we're all fine here. Everything's fine here. How are you? Um, But we're going to get some clarity. May not be the clarity we want, but we're going to get clarity this season. Where is this program once and for all? We can stop arguing with each other. We're going to know. Uh, Harbaugh has the 42nd 
highest buyout in the country. I believe it's the lowest buyout of any Power 5 coach. It's a series of one-year contracts. It's a make-or-break year. So uh, you're going to get clarity this year. You're going to know for sure whether he is the man that we thought he was, hoped he was, or if we have to move on. So sometimes clarity can be painful, though, but I think that's what you have to look forward to that, and get excited about. You're going to get clarity. Next, Jack Malecki, he asks, do you think Michigan basketball fans need to be worried about the loss to Minnesota? No, I don't. I mean, nobody goes undefeated. This isn't like an all-time great team, number one. Number two, though, uh, there were some some outliers there. I mean, Michigan, first of all, Michigan went into the game 19-3 and against Minnesota since John Beeline became the head coach. So, and Minnesota's had a respectable basketball program over the course over that course of time too. So, sooner or later they were going to get you. Number one, number two, uh, I mean Michigan played about as as bad as bad as it could possibly play. When you have almost as many turnovers twenty as you do field goals made twenty two, um, that that won't be duplicated again. Just like playing as well as you can possibly play against Wisconsin. Wasn't going to be duplicated again either. For, don't forget, Minnesota's good. Minnesota's beaten several good teams at home, including Iowa, who Michigan is sharing first place in the Big Ten with as we speak. Now, there is a warning sign, though, in that loss. What you saw, what you saw without Eli Brooks is the way Minnesota's defense adjusted. Uh, it way overplayed Michigan's offense in the half court, way overplayed passing lanes, uh, look at it as how teams used to play Denard Robinson when we got into Big Ten play. Just, hey, you know what? You can't run over us. We don't believe you can throw the ball downfield, so we're going to stack the box. And that's what Minnesota did without Eli Brooks. Now, teams can't play that away against us when Eli Brooks is in the game because Michigan has two certifiable point guards on the floor then most of the time, which means if you overload the floor, we just space you out, reverse the ball, and just run the same set we were going to run, just run it through Eli instead of through Mike Smith. But without Eli on the court, that was difficult to do, uh, especially when as good as Mike Smith has played, he's, what, 5'9", 5'10", hard to see uh, you know, over the, over the top of uh, the other team's defense for 30 feet. And then we never made any adjustments. And here's why this is key. I don't know that Eli Brooks will be back in the next game against Maryland. So we're going to have, I would anticipate you're going to see a defense very similar to what Minnesota played. Now, the, to me, the adjustment to that, Jack, is in your pick and roll game, you don't bring Hunter Dickinson up any longer or Austin Davis. I mean, those guys aren't any threat from three. You're running pick and roll 25, 30 feet from the basket. I mean, you're you're making it very easy to defend you then. It's one thing to run that at the top of the key. It's another thing to run that from just inside half court that Minnesota forced us to do without Eli Brooks on the floor. To me, you switch it up and you have Franz Wagner or Isaiah Livers be the big in that pick and roll because then it becomes an old-fashioned John Beeline pick and pop. And you look at making open threes in exchange for uh, the trade-off of teams playing you like that. And then if you make your threes, you win. And if you miss, you lose. Right? That's what we saw the John Beeline era. And I think that's the adjustment Michigan needed to make against Minnesota that it did not. I would anticipate, especially if Eli Brooks doesn't play, you'll see the exact same defense at home against Maryland uh, on Tuesday night. Next question. This is from Pete. He wants to know, I see a lot of people saying Michigan can win 9-10 to 10 games next year. Why and why won't that happen? 
given the glaring issues on this roster and how we use our players. Um, there's this notion out there that Michigan can just be nine and three forever, and it can't. And you just saw that. We just went two and four. And it was an ugly two and four. Is there a pretty two and four? I don't know. But whatever an ugly two and four is, that's what Michigan just did to the point that we were begging for the program to be euthanized by uh, by by COVID in December. And graciously, it was. But um, here's the thing. We don't know what the schedule is going to be yet next year. I'm on record predicting I don't think you'll see a return to normal in the scheduling. I, I don't think you're going to see nine conference games, three non-conference games. I think you will see 12 games. I think the season will start pretty much when we're used to it starting, end of August, Labor Day weekend. But if I had to guess, it'll be a predominantly conference and regional schedule, particularly given how cautious our conference has been and our region of the country is. Uh, maybe down south they'll play, uh, they'll go back to normal, say, hey, we gave COVID Stan a year, but, you know, poor one out. I, I mean, I could see that. But I think up here, that's unlikely to happen, which I think makes projecting Michigan's record already problematic when you don't know who you're playing. Number two, we don't have an established quarterback again. We have to reshuffle the offensive line again. Gee, uh, and, and we're going to be even younger on defense. Who does that sound like? That sounds like the team we just had, but younger on defense. So I, I don't know where this idea that Michigan can just, well, what happens if they just go nine and three again? I keep hearing that. You know, what will they decide on Harbaugh? That, see, I think that's highly unlikely to happen. I, I think that this is going to be, clearly this thing is played out and Jim Harbaugh has stayed a year past his welcome. Or there's some kind of miracle breakthrough nobody saw coming like Jim's junior year at Michigan in 1985. When that team came off of going six and six, everybody thought the game had passed Bo by. They had one of the toughest schedules in the country. Nobody saw him coming. They ended up number two in the nation. It's going to be a breakthrough season or a breakdown season. I don't think this is just going to be, oh, they went nine and three again. What do we do? I, I think that's given... The systemic questions on the team, I think that's highly unlikely given the broken culture in the program that has to be essentially um, terraformed. I think that's unlikely. They got to start all over on that front. So I think they either catch lightning in a bottle or fire up Chopin's funeral march. I think those are overwhelmingly higher options in terms of the likelihood than they just go nine and three again. We go next to Tiberius Mix. I think that's how that's pronounced. With key starters such as Justin Fields now gone, who can challenge the Buckeyes for the Big Ten title? I have no idea. Uh, later this week, we'll be coming out to, after the NFL filing deadline for early entry into the draft passes. We'll have my first team total talent ratings for 2021, but I can tell you as things stand right now, Ohio State is well ahead of the rest of the Big Ten. So it'll be a young team, uh, but it's still going to be predominantly the most talented team in the conference. What This would seem to be the year, though, that if you did have a, a, a team with more experience that was close, that maybe you could get an Ohio State this year, I just look on the horizon. I don't see who that is in the Big Ten. 
Like, if you're looking at the ACC, so Clemson's going to return every defensive starter. Yeah, it's going to lose the number one pick in the draft, but it's going to replace Trevor Lawrence with a guy who's probably a future first-round pick. But but I think teams like Miami and North Carolina are closer to Clemson in the ACC right now than Michigan and Penn State and Wisconsin are to Ohio State based on what I can see from their rosters at the moment. And Wisconsin's got uncertainty at quarterback. Didn't really come out of this year with its next franchise running back. Maybe Jalen Berger will develop into that with a full year in the offseason. We'll see. But but I don't see who that team is. Who's that experienced team that was close this past year? Indiana? They're losing Stevie Scott. Uh, they're losing some of their best players uh, on offense and defense. You have Michael Penix coming off a serious knee injury. I think last year was kind of Indiana's year to be that team. I don't think they'll be terrible. I think Tom Allen's a good coach. Michael Penix is a good quarterback. But I think that that was supposed to be their team last year. I think if Indiana had the 2020 team next year, then I think it could be them. But they didn't. They had it this year. So I don't know who that team is when I look at the rosters in our league right now that could overcome a talent gap with Ohio State because of superior experience with a team that was kind of already on the cusp of a breakthrough. I, I don't I don't see who that is. I see a bunch of teams in our league that could go anywhere from five and seven to ten and two. I think there's like seven or eight teams in our league that are like that. But I don't see another team in our league that's like ready to go from nine and three to eleven and one. I don't see that. At least not right now. Next, Hank Wetzel, he asks the expectation is that Michigan will not live up to what is expected from this program, and Michigan and Harbaugh will finally part ways. Who do you see as possible replacements after next season? My vote is for Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops, of course, the Hall of Fame coach from Oklahoma. I go back to what I said about this uh, in the fall. More than names, Michigan needs the profile of a coach, and, and, the, and the coach Michigan needs is the grinder. The guy that knows going in that he's got to beat Ohio State in the dark in January, February, and March before he can beat them on the field. That guy. The guy that's got the eye of the tiger. Now, Bob Stoops is a hell of a coach. Ohio native. There was a lot of talk at the time that he was going to be Michigan's plan B in 2014 if if Harbaugh fell through. But he's been retired now for, what, four years? Does he have that eye of the tiger? Mm, I don't know. He's actually older than Harbaugh. So, you know, I don't. I, I would find out. Listen, if I were Ward, Ward Manuel and we're sitting in this position nine months from now, which overwhelmingly is likely we will be, um, I would. I would find out. Another guy in that category, Chris Peterson, former Washington coach, Boise State coach, likely another guy on his way to the College Football Hall of Fame. Now, he got burnt out at Washington and retired. Um, does, does does he have the fire back? Uh, does he have the eye of the tiger? I don't know. Other than that, I think you're looking at guys who come from or have proven that they can build cultures. That would be Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Now, the difference between those two is, you know, uh, Fickle took over a, a mid-major program that has been very successful for going on a couple of decades now. Going on, going back to Mark D'Antonio, Brian Kelly. Now he's done a phenomenal job there, but he didn't have to start 
from square one. Matt Campbell had to had to do that at Iowa State. Um, I, I but I, I'm also dubious that Luke Fickle would take the Michigan job. The Buckeye roots run deep there. In fact, I, I would be concerned that Luke Fickle would uh, hold your job search hostage. That he would dangle out the possibility that he would take it and then not do it because he just did that to Michigan State. And then maybe other coaches you wanted are already gone. I, I'd be really hesitant if I were Michigan about pursuing Luke Fickle later this year. I, I would I would just, I, I think just the Buckeye hatred of Michigan, I'm still not sure Michigan fans and Michigan people truly understand it on some level. Uh, I would look at Tony Elliott from Clemson, the offensive coordinator there. Uh, that that that's a guy that comes from the kind of the kind of culture Dabo Sweeney has established there, where players return. You know, they're going to return. I, I've already mentioned all eleven starters on defense. Guys come back, coaches stay. I mean, that's what we had at Michigan for a long time. So I would look at a guy like a Tony Elliott. I'd look at Matt Campbell. I'd look at Luke Fickle. I'll give you another name that wouldn't excite me but kind of fits the profile of the kind of guy Michigan would look at is Bill O'Brien, the former Penn State coach, who is going to be Alabama's offensive coordinator this year. You know, he's a former NFL coach of the year. I mean, he won a couple of division titles with Houston. He turned, he proved to be a good NFL coach, just a bad general manager and coach. But go down there, coordinate an Alabama offense, put up another 35, 40 points a game, and, you know, he'll be a hot commodity in the college coaching ranks later this year. That's a, that's a name and his kind of persona that I could see Michigan being attracted to. So those are some of the names that I think are likely to be on a short list for Michigan when it's likely they'll be making a coaching change later this year. Aaron Bryant, considering Michigan's bizarre attempts at diplomatic loyalty, is retaining Jim Harbaugh prolonging the obvious and a monumental waste of time that the right coach could use to redirect the program? I believe the answer to that, sadly, is yes. I can't think of too many too many times you gave a coach another year and you were, like, glad that you did. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't really think of one. Everybody wants to keep going back to the Brian Kelly example in 2016, but, frankly, Brian Kelly had a better resume at Notre Dame until 2016 than... Jim Harbaugh has had at Michigan. He already been to a national championship game, for example. Um, had a better record against his rivals as well. But he also rebooted his whole program. Recruiting coordinator, everything. And he started over. Jim's not going to do that. It's going to be several holdovers on the staff. So I, I can't think of a time that a school was like, you know what, we're not sure, but let's give this guy one more year. And then at the end, everybody was like, oh, wow, that was great. Mike Krzyzewski at Duke, what was that, 35 years ago? Most of the time, when you give a guy another year, it's Matt Patricia with the Lions. You're like, what the hell do we do this for? Halfway through it. So I hope I'm wrong, man. I, I Believe me, I want nothing. I'm going to be 48 years old this year. I've lived through 15 years of meaningless, largely meaningless Michigan football. I can't get my son to watch the games anymore. Doesn't care. I'd love nothing more than for all the the Harbaugh slaps right now making alms to their khaki god. I would love nothing more than for all of you to come at me and come December 
in the comment section here on YouTube with a ferocity that requires me to consider restraining orders. I want that. I'm, I don't. I don't want to live through another meaningless Michigan football season. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. And he's still one of my all-time favorite players. I want to be wrong. I'm just pretty confident I won't be, unfortunately. I look at the personnel. I look at the head coach. I don't see it. hope I'm wrong. And I want to be wrong. I want you guys pimp slapping me in the comments section. I want to read, you're not a Michigan fan anymore, Dace. You don't get to root for us anymore, Dace. I want to read all that. I want to read all of it. And I'm not talking like in September if they start 3-0. That doesn't count. When it matters, November. I want to read that poop in November. I want it all over my feed. I want it all over the comment section. I want to get it all over me, as Mark Packer says. I want you guys clubbing me like baby seals get clubbed over the head on the National Geographic channel. That's what I want. I'd love that. I just don't think that's going to happen. And I think we're going to sit here at the end of the year and ask ourselves... Why did we risk losing the coach we wanted for this? Hope I'm wrong, though. Let's continue on with Brett Baer. With the inevitability of Jim Harbaugh getting fired after one or two more seasons, how long do you think it will take for the program, given they hire the right coach to climb up the ladder to a level of play where they can make the OSU game competitive? We'll just look at the last coaching. A couple of coaching changes. I remember the first game of Harbaugh's tenure, that uh, Friday night game against Utah. And Colin Cowherd and uh, uh, who's the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback for USC were doing the pregame show on Fox. And uh, they were talking about, hey, it's going to take Michigan four to five years before you know they're regularly ranked again. We ended up 10-3 and three and number 12 in the country that year. Look at Brady Hoke's first year. I mean, that, that team went from 7-6 and six to 11-2. and two. That team went from you know getting 50-burgered by Mississippi State in the Gator Bowl to beating Virginia Tech in the Sugar Bowl. That's still the program's last major bowl victory. So we've already seen at Michigan, look at Bo's first year. You know, they went from losing 50-14 uh, to 14 to Ohio State to beating them and winning the Big Ten. Gary Moeller's first year, Michigan won the Big Ten. So there's a history at Michigan of guys doing well in their first year, and when they don't, uh-oh, like Rich Rodriguez, 3-9 and nine in his first year. So we've already seen a couple of recent examples of guys who came in and had instant success. Here's the thing. This is going to be one of the most talented rosters in the Big Ten. When it's all said and done, it might be the second most talented roster in the Big Ten. Now, Ohio State's up here, and then it's space bar, space bar, space bar, whoever's number two. But my talent ratings say right now there's a really good shot Michigan's going to go into September with the second most talented roster in the conference. But that was close to the case last year, too, when they went 2-4. and four. So one thing we're going to know about whoever the next coach is at Michigan, they're going to inherit a talented roster. Which means they could turn this thing around pretty quick, because we've seen that before. Next. Andrew Fiorita, with the question many of you have. Do you think Harbaugh will show fire in his belly again this year, with his job pretty much on the line, or will we get the stoic gym from the past few years? I, I, I think you have to just accept that six years is not an outlier, guys. It's an identity. And I think you're going to get what you've already gotten. That's what I think you're going to get. 
If anything, I think you'll get a more patient Harbaugh. He's got an unproven, what, 40-year-old offensive coordinator and a completely unproven, what, 30-year-old defensive coordinator. I mean, if anything, I think you're going to get a softer, gentler Jim. If anything, I think Jim's going to feel like, hey, man, you know, maybe I was too hard on these guys and, you know, I got to be their buddy some more. I, I think if anything, you're going to get the softer side of Sears. I think the jackhammer's dead, guys. I do. If the jackhammer were alive, we wouldn't be in this position right now. The jackhammer don't do two and four. The jackhammer don't do, sure, when my quarterback says, after he gets benched, I'm going to transfer somewhere else and kick your ass. The jackhammer don't do, you get to come back the next day. You're out. Good luck at that new place you were telling us about. That's, that's how the jackhammer rolls. We, we don't see that guy anymore. So I don't know why you think there's suddenly a magic potion. I, I think... Jim bet on himself because the NFL didn't bet on him. That's what I think. Next. Jordan Eggleston. Pardon me. Will we ever truly know what happened with Bob Shoup? I heard it was COVID concerns, and then I heard he didn't get along with Don Brown. Oh, boy. So Bob Shoup, the safeties coach that never was at Michigan. Recall that actually he had coached with Don Brown in the past. What should I say and what can I say about this? Um, here's what I'll say. Bob Shoup, I think he was a Broyles Award winner or finalist, I believe, uh, while at Mississippi State as their DC. Um, I was, from what I have been told about this, neither COVID or friction with Don Brown had anything to do with why he... Uh, never really coached at Michigan. And I'll just leave it there. Um, yeah, I'll just, I'll let it lie there. Next. AJ Ganger wants to know, does Joe Milton transfer? If I were Joe, I would not transfer. You're probably close to a Michigan degree heading into your fourth year, number one. And you have eligibility after this year. Get that Michigan degree. It matters. And you still have eligibility. Number two, they don't have an established quarterback. So you can reboot it. If, if What's more likely to happen if I'm Joe Milton? That the program I've already invested four years of my life into that doesn't have an established quarterback that I can win that job or that I go somewhere with people I don't know at all probably get a lesser degree because we're talking about the number one public university in the country. If I was Joe, if I was advising Joe Milton, listen, if Cade McNamara had stayed healthy and clearly established himself, Milton would be gone already, but that didn't happen. So if I'm Joe Milton, man, I'm going to get my degree and then we'll see what happens. That's what I would advise the young man to do. Dangerous Dan. I like that. Wants to know if I think that Mike Hart could be a candidate for Michigan head coach. Now, Mike Hart, Michigan's all-time leading rusher, just brought in to become Michigan's new running backs coach, which moves um, Jay Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's son, exclusively to special teams. He had been doing both that and running backs. Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I think if Mike Hart's, to me, well, not immediately. I think if Jim were to turn this thing around, and then I think Mike Hart, maybe if he becomes like an associate head coach, 
could become a Jim Harbaugh successor in two or three years or whenever. At that point, Jim decided he wanted to hang it up. Remember, Dabo Sweeney was just a wide receivers coach. And Mike Hart certainly has the alpha persona and work ethic of a head coach. But I think if Jim is not successful this year, no, he won't be a candidate to be the head coach because there's not enough experience on that resume. I think what, what's likely to happen if Jim is not successful, and I wouldn't be shocked if Ward Manuel had this conversation with Mike Hart, that he's the kind of coach that a new coach hold, holds over. Highly respected, connected with um, the university community, the former player network, and he's not a coordinator. And so you want to bring your own people in to be your coordinators, fine. But you keep that guy on because he's your, he's your link to the legacy that you're inheriting as the Michigan football coach. So to me, I think Mike Hart's a guy that's getting retained next year, whether Jim Harbaugh is successful or not. For him to be the next Michigan coach, I think Harbaugh would have to be successful this fall and then last for two or three years. And, and Mike really establishes himself as kind of the culture guy at Michigan. Um, but if Jim's not successful this year, then no, I don't believe Har that Mike Hart will be a candidate for head coach. <laughs> Andy Hayes says, are you the most negative fan or podcast? I think that's in the eye of the beholder. I listen to a lot of, I'm a Michigan fan. So when, I listen to as many as I have time for. I listen to the 24 seven uh, podcast as much as I can. I listen to the Spath podcast as much as I can. Um, Actually, that's about it. It's not much more other than that. So, uh, I, but I listen to as much of this stuff as I can in my spare time. I don't really go out there and compare what I do to them. First of all, I'm just a fan. I'm doing this once a week. So there's, this isn't like plotted out or a business, nor am I um, doing this, you know, in, in alliance with the university for any kind of access or recruiting information or anything like that. I'm a guy that has a full-time career using this studio, has loved Michigan since I was 10 years old. And just had some spare time and thought, hell, let me do this for fun. Let's see if anybody wants to watch. And we built an okay audience, nothing that's, you know, going to, uh, you know, pay your mortgage, but makes it worth doing at the exact same time, respectable. But I, I don't worry about whether I'm negative or positive. I just worry about what I think is a fan. And then you guys can decide. I'm warning you, I've lost any faith that Harbaugh can be successful here. I have no faith left that can happen. You may not want to hear that. You may not want to watch that. Then you shouldn't. I think the last thing all of us need right now is more negativity in our lives. So, you know, if I do that to you, by all means, find a Michigan, another Michigan source that you think is more positive. I wouldn't blame you at all. I'm just telling you what I think. When I was drinking Kool-Aid a couple of years ago, that's what I thought. Now that I'm completely off uh, the reservation now, that's what I think. I'm not really, uh, I would love to be an optimist. I'm just not wired to be. I would have became a pessimist. My faith probably saved me from that. So I'm just a realist. I just react to what I actually see or what I think is about to happen. And if it's what I see and what I think is about to happen is good, I'm optimistic. And if it's bad, I'm not. And right now I'm not. You know, that's not for everybody. I don't blame you at all if that's you. I mean, if you want optimism, I don't have any reasons for it. Like I have none. So, um... What I can tell you is when we get close to the season, we'll, 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 when we get into August and September, that's when it's just going to be about the season around here. And we let the, we let the 2021 season kind of be its own thing. 
rather than carrying all the baggage that we thought all off season about where the program is at, we just let the 2021 season, we analyze it as is and, and let it speak for itself. Unless it goes off the rails and it's obvious we're going to make a change. But until that happens, that's how I'll treat the 2021 season. I'll do my best to not have my baggage about what I think going in um, bias or prejudice the way that I would analyze it as best as I can. But I'm also just a human being and it's my favorite team. And you broke my heart, Fredo. You broke my heart. Next. Final question from Go Blue. Sean Rat. Go at, at Sean Rat Go Blue. I like that. Wants to know, does seeing John Beeline on the Big Ten Network commenting on U of M basketball piss you off? I mean, the way he left and all, the dismal failure in the NBA and all. No. Not really. I mean, I love Coach B. How can you not? He's the best basketball coach Michigan's ever had. He's the Bo Schembechler of Michigan basketball. But kind of think we got a keeper right now. And you have to ask yourself, given how high his stock was growing in the NBA, if John Beeline had stuck around for another two or three years, could we have gotten Jawan Howard then? Or would that window have passed? That is, as difficult as that process was and as awkward and, and sudden as it was, that maybe it maybe it worked out for the better uh, in the end. You know? Um, because right now, I think we have a coach that... Is, is, is kind of the total package from a culture, branding, intensity, involvement, um, uh, investment in young men perspective. I, I kind of think we got a superstar right now. And we had a superstar before. We had one of those guys before. The odds of getting one of those guys back to back, not high. <laughs> okay. I mean, how many years did UCLA ch chase the next John Wooden? You know, North Carolina hung on to the Dean Smith legacy by giving the job to his top assistant. But when he had to move on, there was the Matt Doherty era. Look what's happened to Indiana post Bob Knight. Right? It's not easy. It, it's not easy to, to keep, uh, to find that guy. When you've got a living legend to find the next legend. And we just so happen to have a guy who was an emerging superstar, but a proud alum here who happened to be at the stage of his career where he was available. If Beeline had stayed another two, three, or four years, that might not be the case. So maybe in the end, it worked out the best. We'll come back. We'll get the results of this week's Twitter poll, as well as our feedback of the week next. A thank you to all of you that support us via Patreon. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. So many of you have asked for the last few years, hey, how can we support what you guys are doing? That's the best way is to support us via Patreon. There's three different levels that you can do that, but if you just sign up for the exclusive club at $5 a month, you also get reaction podcasts throughout the year, uh, as well as uh, our handicapping predictions. And right now we're in the throes of college basketball season. So thank you to the hundreds of you that are supporting us right now on Patreon. And you're welcome to do the same at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. This week's Twitter poll, what would best describe your opinion of Jim Harbaugh's unique and reduced contract? 64.3% of you said that you would describe it as delaying the inevitable. That's how I would vote. 
15.7% of you described it as smart. 14.2% of you are excited that he bet on himself. 5.8% of you voted dumb. So it looks like most of you are where I am at. That you think all we did was punt the ball for another 12 months. But again, I, I desperately want to be wrong. Desperately. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I'm tired. As the great prophet Alan Iverson once said, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of meaningless Michigan football seasons. I'm tired of it. All right, next, our feedback of the week. This comes from Dex Sandler who says it really depends on what Michigan considers acceptable going forward when it comes to Jim Harbaugh. If we go 9-3 and three with a blowout loss to Ohio State again, and Ward decides that's an acceptable season and doesn't fire Harbaugh, then Michigan's football program is done. If Michigan goes 9-3, and three, but gets blown out by Ohio State, and then loses the bowl game, again, they will make a coaching change, guys. They will. Now, if they get blown out by Ohio State and then win a bowl game and go 10-3, and three, then I think you see Ward flip the script and say, hey, it's not what we want, but hey, that's you know we're getting good value for a 10-3 and three season now. But if they lose the last two games of the year again, as they have every year under Harbaugh, except for year one, there will be a coaching change here. Mark my words. That'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. We have next week off. We'll be doing some traveling. So we'll see you all again in a couple of weeks. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, five-star review, whatever the case may be, whether it's YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, however you access Michigan Podcast. Share it with all the Michigan fans you know and follow us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast. Until next time, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.